Hi, this is Deadeye Dave welcoming you to the Real Blood Podcast Network. Each Saturday, you will hear a new episode of either Reasonably Real, which is our general movie podcast, or The Cast That Drips Blood, which is our horror-focused show. On Monday, we have Reasonably Newsworthy, which is our new show where we talk about the releases that you might be interested in on DVD Tuesday. We have a rotating cast of hosts, and we definitely aren't afraid to chat. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page in the show description and our letterbox profiles as well. If you are interested in supporting the show, telling your friends about us is the best way to make the show expand. If you are interested in supporting us monetarily, our podcasting host Anchor allows you to do that through their website, and every dollar is appreciated, but never expected. Thank you so much for your continued support, and enjoy the show. Real, this is one of your hosts, Deadite Dave, and joining with me today is... Wait, I'm, yeah, I have to get off my video game? My phone video game? Yeah. Oh, man. So I have to pay full attention to, to what we're doing here. C. C? Proceed. Okay. Proceed. <laughs> uh, we, uh, yeah, that's going to be in the show. Yeah. Uh, that's a good time. Probably the uh, highest rated funnel meter film I've seen in a while. Yeah. Yeah, it might be. It's a it's a good time. Yeah, uh, I really do like that one. Can't, a lot. can't wait to talk about. It. We could we could talk about that instead of uh, the film we're talking about, which is an excellent technical film, but not very fun. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I I didn't have a terrible time with it. Um, I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's it's a good film. Either way, so we're going to talk about Greyhound as our feature review. Yes, and some. Uh, we'll, we'll probably spend a little time with... Uh, Some of the newer releases we'll just touch on as we're doing our What We've Been yeah. Watching, but our main reviews for Greyhound, so. um, mostly just because I think there's some common ground there. Uh, Maniac Mike isn't able to join us um, today. Uh, he's out enjoying the weekend. So instead, you got you got us. And uh, so we'll go ahead and talk about Greyhound since we could kind of agree agree on that one to talk about. So I'll let you go ahead and start off with what you've been watching. Are you, are there, you ready? It will be a lengthy list so uh, for both of us, so go ahead and strap Mine's in. Mine's nowhere near as long as yours. I'm a little surprised by how long. Of course, i got two weeks, though. So either way, uh, okay, so I started off uh, watching after my last appearance on the podcast, uh, watching Hamilton, um, finishing that, that out. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, I uh, got into a little debate on a podcast page about uh, some of its historical inaccuracies, and I'm pretty sure, like most films, it's uh, not exactly accurate. Uh, I was okay with the liberties it took. Uh, it's a Broadway musical, so um, it has some artistic license. But, man, is it a lot of fun. Uh, it's uh, got uh, some great music, some great acting, I uh, really enjoyed the music, and I think I actually it motivated me to actually look a little bit on the history to see just exactly how accurate was it. And it's not; it's one person's idea of what might have happened. How's that? Yeah, uh, but it's based on the actual events. You know, it's just they filled in a lot of blanks. And for the negativity that's surrounding it, let us not forget how influential this was for certain communities. Um, for the documentary anyway uh, such as like uh, black uh, people for the acting in the play there's a um, they cast a lot of African Americans in this yeah um, and actually 
put them in roles of generally white um, people. You know, that's that's what they traditionally were. So I think it's representation for uh, black America is actually really interesting. So for all the negativity I'm seeing for it, you got to keep in mind, I think a lot of it's towards, you know, just, you know, promoting certain people, you know, because of, you know, their political beliefs at the time. But I also do say that I think overall that that it's progressive in a lot of ways of how it, you know, represents, you know, black America and the represent, representation of that. Um, I, I didn't even look at it that way. I know that some of it, I just had a good time with it. Even yeah. this music, which is a, a large percentage of rap, um, I will say, but it's not rap like you would think of as no not really uh, you know once you're on the radio it's rapped it's, it's rhymed out is what they're doing and I found for me personally being able to watch it at home where I could do the closed captioning I thought it was great because yeah. I could if I had a question I could follow along with what was being said but it's really frankly not that hard to understand no it's not, not any more than say a film that has a I have a little trouble hearing like British actors sometimes Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, where I can't understand that. Yeah. So, uh, but I think all in all, if you like Broadway musicals, if that's your thing, then check this out. I think this is this is a great show myself. I, I do. I, I really enjoyed it. I find myself really liking musical productions. And this is a recording of an actual... This isn't... It's not really fair, maybe, to throw this out there with La La Land and, and uh, Les Mis. Yeah. I, I did. But uh, you know, it's they're not the same production value. This is literally done on stage. This is a recording of a stage play. Uh, I was mesmerized by a lot of how now, that workings go. Do you so. remember that trailer for? I forgot what it's called now, but the musical that was supposed to come out in the summer. Yeah, this is from the same people. Okay, except that's their wait. musical. That's their movie musical that they were going to do. Um, because yeah, it's, it's based from the same on the music. I, I can see it, but I can't think of the. Yeah. the name of it yeah, yeah I want to see that really bad so I said whenever we saw that coming out in trailers I thought there, there's going to be my favorite movie of the year I think right there yeah it's I'm pretty excited I liked Hamilton a lot too yeah. I'll get to that okay so uh, up next was a film that I watched called Adieu which is a foreign film uh, it's okay film it's a, it is a 2020 release um, uh, it's it's alright I rated it as 6 but I don't want to talk about that a whole lot I won't waste much time on the average films uh, I watched a film called Desperados. Uh, Sherry, I actually thought this would be a little funnier. It's a comedy uh, involving uh, some women that uh, she can't get a date. It's basically a, a real edgy har- uh, Harlequin romance kind of thing, I guess, or, or a Hallmark film. But it's a little edgier than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that could have been a little safer or just been a little more edgy. They tried to kind of throw you know cross that line straddle mm-hmm. that line i thought a little too much it was kind of funny and but sherry really liked it i'll give her that uh so for the lady listeners if you're interested in those kind of films i think it's something that you would it'd be okay with i i, I thought it was pretty funny so uh next up next was a documentary i stumbled across called the silence of others um this is uh the uh, this deals with the uh uh, the Spanish uh, dictator Franco, uh, and kind of what happened in the last, say, ten years, I think, or so. Uh, a lot of it was after his passing. Uh, it's a single issue documentary. 
just where they're really going over how what what has happened to Spain since his passing. I mean, it tells the history though, so it gives you that background. And apparently, he was not a good guy. This rewrote a little bit of history for me. He massacred hundreds of thousands of Spaniards, apparently, and the government took the attitude whenever it changed of uh, basically trying to not acknowledge that that ever happened. They said, and they, they they show both sides of it in the documentary. So, like some people say, it doesn't do us any good to dwell on that. That was the past, and we've moved past it, and they had. But what they forgot was there are a lot of victims out there that because the government wouldn't wouldn't acknowledge a lot of it, they wouldn't even allow them to go try to get their 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 family that had been hmm. murdered and buried and mass graves, and that's where a lot of this got started. They were trying to reclaim their dead family members, hmm. and uh, so there's a lot of politics involved, and it really goes into explaining. It. It's a fascinating documentary, and I think that people could learn a lot from that because one of the most powerful scenes was talking you know watching some of these older people that said i'm not over this the government wants me to be over it but i can't I, all i want is my loved one back and they would even know generally where they're at mm-hmm. you know but they wouldn't let them do it so a startup group kind of went around and defied the government basically the government didn't do anything about it but they defied the government and was trying to locate lost relatives very good, very good documentary. Excellent. It's uh, called uh, The Silence of Others. Uh, then I dropped into the rabbit hole and watched a film called The Old Guard. I believe you mm. saw this as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I hated this film. I didn't hate it as bad as you did. <laughs> I think my expectations were about where you rated it, so maybe the movie ended up being better. Yeah, but I, anything with the Netflix logo at this point, I know, I, I have a feeling uh, it's going to reek of ass. So Yeah, yeah <laughs> this one, this film should have been better, could have been better, but it just felt like we've got like $5 million and some actors that are bored. There's a lot more so, money than that into this. Yeah, so let's just throw this up there and see what happens. It's, uh, it's terrible. I rated it a three. And that was being generous, Ooh, in my opinion. Dang. That's terrible. It's one of the most disappointing films. That's, That's going to come back up. Uh, uh, Frozen 2. Uh, we seem to have uh, the great-grandson over quite a bit. So rather than watching a Netflix thing called Baby Bum, it's oh, awful. I'm trying to get him on to movies. So we're watching your Disney a lot. So Frozen 2. Got Finally got a chance to see it. He liked it. Uh, you know, he was into it, the music especially. And it's a pretty good film. Yeah. Uh, it's not anywhere near as good as the first one. Yeah, I liked the original. I've been spinning wheels on this one because I heard it kind of felt like one of Disney's more straight-to-video movies that they were doing for a long time, where it just wasn't all that good or memorable. And I try and kind of avoid that five to six range. Maybe I'll check it out. You should check it out. It's not that bad. Okay. It's a seven. That's well, what five I or six ain't a bad movie. But yeah. to me, like, I try and watch something either horrible, because it's memorable and <laughs> uh, worthwhile for me in some way if it's horrible, or really good. Yeah, you frankly, know what I mean? Frankly, I had not really intended to watch this one. But I thought, okay, I haven't seen that. It's got a lot of music in it. He likes music. Let's do it. And, yeah, it's okay. It's, I give it a seven. It looks great. Its story's just not as good. It's a little been there. Done you need that, to you need to go back to our podcast episode of uh, you know beginner horror films and uh, and uh, show him some of those. 
Uh, no, I'm not going to terrify the kid. That's, that's what those movies are for. And, and that's probably, it's, it's the next film on my list is probably what happens whenever you show little kids terrible cinema. Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. You bought the, or directed me to this movie uh, while we were doing our bad movie challenge last week, uh, or the, a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I picked this up on a Criterion collection for three bucks, and it's a pretty good film. Uh, I read it in eight. It's not something I'm probably going to watch a lot. I frankly, didn't like it for about half of its runtime. It yeah. was okay, but you know, I thought, yeah, now nah, this is just typical Hollywood patting themselves on the back or something. I don't know what to say about it. But its humor kind of bled into me, and I found myself laughing at it more and more. And uh, so I, I guess I bought into the story. It takes a while to get used to Wes Anderson's yeah. type of humor. So I think that's what happened. I bet you'd like it even more, like a couple years down the line, now knowing what to expect, like checking it out again. This is um, this is one of those times when a couple of nude scenes cost it a little bit. But yeah. I didn't see any point in it. It could have done without that. They're brief nude scenes, nothing really to scare too many people off. Uh but as far as the humor, and it actually was pretty funny, and it actually turned into a fairly warm story. Yeah. Uh, I, that's where I started buying it. As the story got a little bit, oh, it was always weird, don't get me wrong. But it got less weird and more, uh, I don't know how to describe it. I, I actually kind of like this family. I'd probably hang out with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it's the Royal Tenenbaums. I may be one of the few people that haven't seen this movie. So, no, there's there's new there's people that um, that's the cool thing about the Criterion Collection. I know we've debated that, but I mean they continue to put out you know movies. I think that are in some way significant. Like chances are, if you pick up a Criterion release, it's at least significant in some way. You know, so it's cool. And I think with that label, it has new fans like coming to it all the time. You know, just because of the label. You know, because yeah. for a lot of people that. That word, you know, spells out, that's probably something I should watch. You know, like, you just see one and you just watch it, you know. So, yeah, I don't always agree with uh, what they deem as um, important cinema, you know, worthy of saving is, uh, you know, the, uh, to bring him back to the forefront. Um, I kind of get it with this one, though. You know what I mean? I, I kind of get it. Um, but either way, some people are going to think that movie's best thing ever i have a feeling probably plenty of people uh well then i went down the road of despair uh was a few weeks back at we were at walmart and i spent five bucks or 374 i think on a three pack of shark exploitation films um yeah so i watched raiders of the lost shark now this film is awful beyond belief and uh, is has all of the wrong things going for it. You know, whenever you watch Raiders of the Lost Shark, you hope it's going to be funny. Uh, this movie wasn't. wasn't it didn't even bother to try. I actually played it very seriously. Uh, they, it's just, just, just it's bad acting, horrible acting. Just It's a terrible film. Uh, times it wasn't even in focus. Uh, it was done on probably cell phones. Uh, kind of corn chip kind of budget. Uh, they had probably a full 30-second nude scene 
with a with a, a topless chick in the water dancing. Everybody knew she was going to get eat by a shark because every time they stepped foot in the water, they got eat by a shark. And she was like the fourth or fifth victim, but they just had to get a nude scene in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just completely pointless and dumb. And I was glad the shark ate her. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's just a terrible film. It's zero. It's one of the worst, most disappointing films I've ever seen, frankly. Uh, it barely, you know, bad cinema usually has something about it that, you know, there are reasons for it. This film's just bad. Oh, boy. Uh, so, either way, I don't want to see that one no more. So, I tried to cleanse the palate uh, while you were down then. The next day, uh, we watched uh, a film called Robo War. Uh, you want to sit on that one a little bit? We'll come yeah, back. Yeah, let's I'll do say. Robo War. Uh, okay, so we'll come back to that one in a minute. And uh, then uh, I watched Greyhound after David watched it, which is what we're going to be talking about. And then we come to Yesterday. Now, I bought a. Uh, film uh well i watched a couple kids cartoons first actually getting them out of order i watched cars the grand great grandson was down uh cars is really uh, i found that actually better i see that this is one of the first films that i rated and i give it an eight and i think i enjoyed that film more now than i did then yeah uh, it's it's really a great film and it hits home with these small towns the first really cars home. is great and yeah. then i will say that Two and three are some of the worst Disney animated movies I think that they've put out. They're really bad. Um, Especially three. The third one, the second one sucks. The third one's even worse. Um, I think that's what actually hurts this franchise because a lot of people look back and go, "The majority of this franchise kind of sucks." But I do, I do agree with you. I think that for a lot of people, the reason this isn't quite as beloved today, I think, is because there's a good portion of you know the disney audience that can't really relate as much to this but that's the cool thing i think about disney animated movies they have a different movie for everybody you know like if you're in a small yeah. town i think you're going to really vibe with cars because it actually has a lot to say yeah. you know and to a lot of people you know it won't be you know maybe as you know speaking to you i i guess probably you know yeah. because uh, you know for us i mean living in a small town you kind of bypass it, and that's kind of the you know message of the of the movie. Yeah, that's where it goes. You yeah. don't think it's going to have really anything to say, other than you know cars are cool and the standard messages of teamwork and loyalty and all these kind of things. No, it it got really deep with its message of what's happening to small town America mm-hmm. and and Americana in general. Frankly, uh, it's 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 a powerful. That that one song is really powerful. I think. Uh, so I'm probably going to rate that one a 10. I'm going to have to go back in. But I give it an 8 and its original viewing. So I'm, I'm thinking of it. I, th- I really It really hit me home yesterday. Then we turned on to Finding Nemo. Now, uh, the great-grandson is two years old. He was all into cars, but he likes cars and tractors. And he was into that movie from start to finish. Uh, I thought, well, let's watch Finding Nemo. Maybe he'll like that. No, he was done with that. He just kind of milled around. He never paid a whole lot of attention to it. So it didn't hold a two-year-old's attention. Um, I probably shouldn't even have it on the list, even though it did play for the whole time. Uh, but I wasn't paying any more attention to it than he was. How's oh, that? I think it's a good movie. It is a good movie. I won't say that it's not. I think it's actually, like, on a technical level, a better movie yeah. than Cars. I'm finding it interesting, you know, to watch him. Like, he really got into the music of Frozen. 
And Cars has quite a bit of music. And, of course, Cars uh, for him. This movie doesn't have a whole lot of music I don't in it. Think it's for, it I don't think it's for kids as young as him. Yeah, I don't think Finding Nemo. That's more like once you're actually getting in school type age. You know, you got to be able to... Because Finding Nemo is a very story-oriented movie. Probably so. so. And it is early. It's basically they're going to school. And you also have to think... No, I don't. I hate to get into debates of like the way kids are today, but I do think that type of baby bump type entertainment is changing, and to me for for the worse, the attention span and um, just kind of ability to focus for kids. You know, because that, that that's at that early age, and you know if you all you play is like this baby bump, like five minute type entertainment. You gotta think that's all. All it is is sensory overload for these kids, and that's what they get. Our entertainment when I was a young kid was more of that Finding Nemo. And you gotta think they're getting trained, and that's why there's. I really do think the way that animated movies, the way that they've been shown, has changed, and why our attention span continues to dwindle as people. It's funny. You sound like me all of a sudden. Well, no, I'm just saying it's it's well, just saying. looking at it. But also Baby Bum has taught him at a very young age. I'm not saying it's, uh, that's why I said debatable for me, the worst, because that's, you know, I'm looking at that generation going like, I don't understand it. But at the same time, I mean, there's merit to it. But I, I do also think that, you know, I think there it could be a little bit more of an attempt at making a little bit more substantial entertainment for kids. I think I've always been someone who never gave excuses to just passable uh, entertainment for kids because, you know, Mr. Rogers, for instance, taught us a lot of important lessons. Baby Bomb doesn't do anything like that. No, it teaches, it, it teaches you, you the alphabet and the, and the count, which your parents can do. I learned how to count at a pretty young age. You know, I just feel like the entertainment that we put in kids' faces all the time, and it's getting more and more because parents are more and more likely to just throw on the TV, you know, whatever entertainment they yeah. can. And I'm not I, trying to diss it. I won't disagree. But I am saying that we're seeing effects of this on kids, you know. So I hate to get into the it's, psychological It's debatable how, whether it's better or not, because clearly your generation can multitask something that I can't do. So, I mean, I, 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 so. we try and get a little bit deep into certain topics. So I, 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 I do kind of find it interesting, though, this, like what you're saying, that watching him in some of these cartoons that we you know that you guys grew up with so i'll keep finding him. i'm gonna next one i think i'm gonna actually hit him up with will be uh i'll see what he does with uh, some great cinema and watch him uh, with a uh, lion king the animated version not the, not the new uh very average film yeah uh so that'll be the next one i try to hunt him so uh, then uh, either way i couldn't sleep last night now that i'm working midnights i got up and uh, watched of all things a 2008 film from uh, uh, I think it's Wu, uh, John Wu. It is uh, called Red Cliff. <laughs> now, if there was ever a a, uh, a film about our history that it like the Patriot, which is pretty patriotic, obviously, this is the same thing for China. Uh, it it hits you over the head with the Chinese patriotism thing, and it was this was the one we watched was a theatrical U.S. release. There was a U.S. release. Uh, I still had to read it, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, you know, I was sitting there thinking, yeah, I, I, there's a reason why I like this movie. Lots of heroes. You know who the bad guys are. It's pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I thought it was a a really good film. 
I'm probably going to get it at a, you know, eight, I would guess. I'm still working through that. I haven't had a chance to do it uh, yet. But uh, it's a good film. If you get a chance, I think you're going to like it. Lots of uh, action. It's not over-the-top action, but there's lots of swordplay, a lot of war. It's uh, very X's and O's. It's a little like the film that we're going to talk about today in Greyhound. Mm-hmm. They deal with a lot of strategy. Uh, it's not an all-in action film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, uh, it's also fairly long. I never really got tired of it. Okay. All right, so cool. that basically... Oh, no, I forgot. Crap, how, how could I forget? First Cow... Which will be uh, which I bought yesterday. A release. Uh, this is an interesting film, and I'm really interesting to find out what uh, you thought of it. I remember seeing the trailers for it, and then whenever I was uh, scrolling through Voodoo, I saw that and I saw, well, that's an A24 film. Yeah. So okay, I'm just going to pay the fifteen. That's literally the only reason I want to see this <laughs> is because I'm not going to lie. That's that's the dividing thing for this movie. <laughs> I think it's kind of a joke that it's such a great movie. Like, I think there's hardly any... I'm interested in your thoughts on it, but from what I've seen on a technical level, it's an amazing movie. But the dividing factor is, like, a lot of people are just like, I really don't care about this freaking cow and the story with it. Um, So that seems to be the dividing factor. I know a lot of people who are like, movie's great. I freaking hated it. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So, uh... Yeah, it's not going to be for everyone. It is very A twenty four ish. It's there's, it's not offensive in any way though. It's it's really clean, uh, has no objectionable material. I'll say that about it. But it's quirky and weird at the same time. So essentially, the movie is not really about the cow. Okay. The cow is, is is integral to the story, but it's about two immigrants that are basically making their ways. And what what we see in this picture is uh, in this film is entrepreneurship and early American culture before the United States was actually a nation. Huh. So the cow is in it because it provides the milk that these characters are stealing the milk. Uh, to make their cookies, their baked goods that they're selling. And it's okay. a little weird because you wouldn't, you've never seen this kind of a narrative in a history book. Who would have thought that some dude showed up with, he meets a Chinese immigrant and he's English or Scottish, I don't remember English, I think. And um, they're both been here for in the United States soil for a while and both looking for some way to make money. They want an angle to make money. And the English guy is a pretty strange character. He's, I don't mean this in a negative way. He may even, I think they're hinting that he was, he might be homosexual. Oh, that's not in the film at all. It's just that you're looking at him and like there's a scene where he actually picks flowers and brings them in and sets them up. Yeah. While he's living with the guy, he clearly assumes the woman's role. But there's no sex or anything in this film at all. It's not even implied. So, but you're kind of looking at that thinking that's where they'll go. That's not what this movie is. These two guys just took up. One of them is a businessman and the other knows how to bake. And they decide, well, these guys think I can make some money off of these cookies that you made me, off of these biscuits, and they start out. 
all the while the guy that they're selling it to is the guy they're stealing the milk from. And you know it's got to go south somewhere. At some point, the only cow in, in, the, in like hundreds of miles, is, you know, you would think this guy would at some point has to figure out that, wait, milk is an ingredient in these things. Where are you getting the milk? <laughs> and that's it's really kind of odd for that. I'm curious to find out what you think. It's the definition of slow burn. I think I'll nothing like happens it. in this film really, except I think that if two guys met and one of them happened to be a baker, which the guy was, that's exactly how things might work, you know. And I'll give the film props; it, it had a micro budget. I'm sure it's a it kind of has a real grungy um, pre-colonial. You know, they're mm-hmm. in, they're they're trappers. You know, there's a fort out here. Nothing is clean. They don't have showers. But it doesn't look terrible. You yeah. know what I mean? And the film has, while you wouldn't call it a cinematic masterpiece, they really show landscape and the, the beauty of what the terrain, untouched by human hands, would be like. Now, you take a film like, uh, what was the great film with, uh, uh, come out a couple years ago when the father and daughter were in the woods alone? Uh, yeah, uh, crap. Yeah. Anyway, you know what it is. Yeah. I can. I can't think. I'll of think of it soon. It's but, got. Well, I, I know it has. Um. Either way, I keep going. Yeah, ben so Foster's in ben it. Ben Foster's in it. So yeah. yeah. So that movie is a cinematic masterpiece. It looks beautiful, but it looks, comparatively speaking, you're like, okay, they're picking the best areas possible, to make the most cinematic shot. That's not what they did. If they would have had a camera to form to be able to record the wilderness that the trappers lived in with the mud and the streams and the clean water and life in general that's what that movie is and that's what struck me about it it's uh, it's is a really good piece of cinema work uh, and the story I found fairly interesting Sherry didn't like it at all <laughs> she, was, <laughs> she, <laughs> she said it's better than a ghost story so uh, and you know it's it's uh, not better than a ghost story. Ghost story is a masterpiece, I think, of cinema. I really do. Uh, it's a hill I'll stand on, I guess. Uh, this movie is not like that, and it's probably not, it's not as good. But as far as me, if you want to see something different, pop that in. Okay. And support your cinema. Well, you don't have to. It's already bought. So cool. Uh, it's called First Cow. I have yet to decide how I'm going to rate it. It will not be lower than an eight. Okay. But I don't think it'll get a 10. Okay. So, uh, but it will be in my favorite films of the year for the year, I think. I don't think cool. it can come out. There's nobody in it that you know. Oh, there is one guy. The guy they're stealing the milk from is a guy you'll recognize. That's okay. about the only one. Uh, micro-budget film. That's it for me. I've spent long enough time stretching this one out. What do you got? That's going to go forever. My segment... For what we've been watching is next, and um, I, I've I got decided a, we're going to put a limit on how long you can talk. You did, yeah. That's not fair. Oh, that well, but none of your films are good. No, I'm really good. Yeah, that's a crock. You know it. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got to talk about the finish of Al Adamson's collection. Oh my lands, more of him. Yeah, um, and a lot of these are treats. The last one of them is Sunset Cove. This is his attempt at uh, making an Animal House type movie. I didn't care for it too much. Um, it's got 
it's just not funny. <laughs> um, so that that's a problem. Next up is uh, a movie called Nurse Sherry. Uh, this is the last horror film that Al Adamson directed. And it was cool to see him return to the horror genre. Um, this one was a possession flick. And it was cool. I mean, it was kind of weird. Um, and so pretty much this nurse gets possessed. And, you know, the typical things you'd expect would happen in an Al Adamson flick. There's a sex scene, of course. Um, mm. But there's some interesting horror and some weirdness. It's a fairly quality movie. I halfway enjoyed it. Um, then he went on to finish his career with two kids' films, uh, one being Carnival Magic, which was something you probably should see. It's got a Mystery Science Theater 3000, and I'd seen this movie. I just had no idea what it was. But the movie's pretty much about these this guy who was trained out somewhere to do, like, magic. And he could do magic, so he could actually read people's minds. And he teams up with a monkey that can talk um, for some sort of circus act. And so people think it's an act, and they go there and they watch it. And then a doctor or a scientist decides to see how the monkey can talk. So he decides to take him and do experiments on it. So the majority of the movie is pretty strange little film with a talking monkey saying some weird things. A couple of unintentionally weird I think elements because Al Adamson I just I don't see him being the type that would intentionally put weird stuff in a kids movie but like there's one scene where she's like rubbing the monkey's stomach and from the angle it honestly looks like she's jacking it off and it's pretty weird <laughs> so that was weird because and then of course the the monkey the monkey talks like this and like the monologue so it's like oh yeah that's <laughs> weird Weird movie. Carnival Magic is something. And then next up was his nope, last it's, film. It's a hard pass. You really should probably see that one. There's nothing, obviously, in it. It is a kid's movie. Um, the next one is called Lost. This one was insipid. Um, I I pretty well hated it. So it, are you pretty much like uh, like it was with Seagull, or are you just glad this is not done? No, I mean, I, I liked Carnival Magic, actually, and I like Nurse Sherry. I, I enjoyed a lot of the movies on the collection. I would say half of them are movies I would probably revisit again. There's another half that I'm glad I watched once and probably won't revisit. But, I mean, it's quite a bit of entertainment for the box set. No, I, I would say his career was better than Seagal's. And a lot more influential. Next up was Jaws. Um, better uh, the 5th of July. You know, not quite as good as the 4th of July since that's when this takes place. But did watch it. The 4K remaster is awesome. If you can find it. Hard to find a little bit. Um, Pretty good healthy, too, of a film. No, it's 10. It's it's Spielberg's best movie, best movie in my opinion. Uh, next up, I watched Hamilton. Um, we kind of talked about this a little bit. And I, I loved it. Um... So, again, I, I really appreciate how, um, you know, how much casting of, of a diverse cast that they put into this movie. And I think it helped, um, you know, quite a bit in Hollywood, or not Hollywood, but, like, plays like Broadway and representation for that those communities. Can, and, can you imagine how much practice it took to get 
Yeah, but they still been in stage. But they still they, look like they love doing it. You know, they've been doing oh, this for I, I, yeah, you know a long time. No doubt, and it's but great. That, that was that's that was something to watch. Yeah, you know, I actually spun in different directions, mm-hmm. like the stupid teacup right at the carnival. So they had to ride that thing, plus mm-hmm. dance, and walk through it at times. It's mm-hmm. just so much had to go into that. It's really really great. I loved it. Okay. Um, I watched My Spy um, with Bautista in it. A <laughs> uh, really fun movie. Uh, we talked about this a little bit. I, I think they should have probably went for the PG rating and you know cut out a couple of curse words and a weird head flying scene in the beginning of the movie. The eyeball popping out in My Giant. Yeah, it, it just it doesn't fit, and it hurt the rating for it a little bit because I think the audience for this is perfect for that PG family movie. Now, personally, I would show a kid the movie. It's not content-heavy, but I think for some parents it might be a little bit too much, but whatever. Um, I watched a movie called Abracadabra, uh, Cauldron Films, a brand-new production studio or film distribution from uh, Diabolic DVD. The guy, uh, Jesse Nelson is his name. Um, uh, Created a new film studio, Cauldron. I've got a nice magnet and the two Cauldron releases. I was pumped. This is a 2018 film that looks exactly like a 70s, 80s Jallo movie, and it's awesome for it. It's really cool. It matches that style perfect, and it gives you that vibe. Um, and it's it's a good movie. Um, it's a cool story where basically this killer is masking his kills with um, magic-type ideas. You know, So you get, of course, the saw-in-half type scene in the movie, and it's got that Jallo artsy style over it. It's really good it's it's got a nude scene in it so for you if you're interested you could skip it though it's pretty easy to see when that one's coming but it is a good movie to go going into the bar you know there's fixing me a top if you if you see if you hear a shower start running in a horror film especially a jello you should probably start get the fast forward button if you're if you're uh range your gift here you're sensitive to the nude scene yeah Um, next up, I watched Chaos. Um, this is from Dave DeFalco, who I didn't know when I was watching the movie, is the owner and distributor for Dark Force Superstore. And I hate his guts, but I did watch this movie, and it gave me a respect for him. Not in the sense that I think the movie's particularly good. It is extreme uh, to the point to where it you know, made it to where it was not a good movie or a good time to watch. But, I mean, again, intentions are, you know, for the movie's intention, it did its job. And I think that the movie's uh, controversy sunk into Roger Ebert enough to actually personally attack this guy, which the debate could be made. He actually did a better job of promoting the movie than anybody else did in the process because Dave DeFalco got what he wanted. He got a rise out of somebody, especially as big as Roger Ebert. <laughs> and frankly, the only reason this movie's probably remembered today is because of Roger Ebert. Yeah, um, we could probably debate that same process whenever i was a much younger man the theaters uh were going to uh uh, or there were a lot of people that were going to protest for a uh a film i can't remember now was it wasn't jesus christ superstar it might have been uh last temptation of christ i think it was uh they were gonna boycott the theaters and a lot of people a lot of churches called and said if you show that we won't come in your building anymore all they wound up doing was creating a lot of news headlines for mm-hmm. it, frankly. Uh, this theater down here didn't show it, I remember. Uh, 
it, it worked on them, but it still showed up in most of your major theaters. Yeah. As it as it probably would, but it probably wouldn't even endure a ripple if it, you know, if people, otherwise. Yeah. So sometimes you know you. Sometimes it's better off if you hate something or disagree with something. If it doesn't necessarily affect you, sometimes it's better to just leave it alone because if you create a big stink about something chances are it's going to give you the negative effect, yeah. especially in horror cinema. If you're going to make controversy around a horror cinema, the guys who are in, uh, the people in general that are into horror cinema and they're hearing this is extreme and then you get people complaining that it's too extreme, you're doing you're doing it's, yourself a bad flies, service. flies to honey. Yeah, they, uh, yeah I, I, I would agree with that. I even do that sometimes that maybe I shouldn't. But I have to say that sometimes I steer away from some discussions on even our own Facebook page because I really don't want to give a credence to a particular film. Yeah. But it's not just that. It's also on Facebook or wherever you're at. I, I'll just, I may want to say something, but sometimes it's just not worth it. So just let it go and the thing just is no longer at the top of the page. Yeah, if you, if you, you know what I mean? If something offends you, you have the option to scroll right past it. Just saying. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the beauty of the internet. You don't have to dwell on it. You don't have to run your day over a disagreement with somebody. Scroll on past. Keep on going. Either way. It's hard sometimes. I hear you. Um, next up is Don't Look in the Basement. This was on the double pack with Chaos. This one was a lot more fun. It's an insane asylum movie that really just takes place in a house because it was really low budget. Um, think Shutter Island mixed with like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest mixed with some slasher vibes, and you got a pretty good time here. It's a good fun film. I had a good time with it. It was fun. Watched Attack the Block uh, when Jody was down. Uh, and film. I love film. that movie. It's awesome. Really good movie. There's a lot of movies I still see trying to rip this thing off. Was that your first time seeing it? No, I'd seen it before. I was Actually, the funny thing was I found a copy. It's not real easy to find necessarily. So I found a copy of it at the pawn shop and started talking about it uh, with Mike, who hadn't seen it before. So I brought it to his attention. Then he brought it to Mine. a couple a couple people and your attention. So this is now spread into a whole bunch of people watching Attack the Block again, which I think is awesome. Watch Johnny Virus. Uh, and Johnny Virus is not a good film. I don't know where you're getting at with that. No, Attack oh, the Block. Oh, Attack the Block. Okay, I'm just messing with you. No, uh, not, not Johnny Virus. Um, that one's pretty pretty fun to watch, um, but it's bad. Um, next up, I watched Dolly Dearest, um, a Vinegar Syndrome doll exploitation flick. You know what I think about that one. It's funny, uh, pretty cute. Um, I liked it. It's got some neat locales. It's like the Exorcist type thing where they dig up this you know, ancient curse, and it, instead of going into a little girl, it goes into dolls and a doll factory, and the doll then is the voice of Satan, pretty much, that, uh, you know, is, is tempting kids to, and, you know, trying to lure them into, uh, you know, evil acts, and um, it doesn't really do a good job of it. It's got the mom from the original Pet Cemetery who is really dry in that movie, and she's even more dry in this movie. I'm not trying to diss her. She's been in a lot of great movies. But for whatever reason, I just don't connect with her as an actress at all. And this movie, she wasn't... She, I, it was the same thing. Like, it just didn't seem like she had any emotion. So a good portion of the movie I was a little bored with. But I still ended up enjoying it. And then I watched The Death Merchant. It's not anything like it looks. I hate to diss movies like that. This dude probably had five bucks and made a movie. And it shows. It's not any good. 
I watched The Old Guard. Didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. Um, I think it's actually a fairly quality film, and I would be willing to watch a sequel. I think a sequel would be better. Um, in this case, I think it sets up a fairly decent origin story for this crew. Um, and I'd be interested in a second one, as long as they put more action. It needs more action. This movie had, like, what, three action scenes in it? Yep. Maybe. And they weren't real great or long, for that matter. Yeah. Then I watched, it is not. No, it's not. <laughs> then I watched Rituals of Guilt. Whew, oh, my lands. This one's... A bunch of people driving around to different nightclubs and talking just forever. And I'm like, oh, my lands. And then they get stock footage of, like, voodoo. Um, and then just show that, and you're like, it's not even the same movie or have anything to do with it. It's like it's like Flight of Fury for voodoo movies. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. for that reference, they just had a bunch of stock military footage of planes flying around. That's yeah. all that was doing. Yeah, there'd be a there. scene that has nothing to do yeah. with it, and then there, and then all of a sudden you'd see a, a stock footage of a plane taking off that has nothing to do with the movie, yeah. and you're like, what? <laughs> then I watched, I really don't know how I'm going to approach this movie um, without getting political. Um, I'll try. Uh, 2001 Maniacs. It's a remake of the Herschel Gordon Lewis movie. Um, I called this racist trash exploitation. Um, it's basically a story about some people take a detour that is caused by 1,000 ghosts celebrating a Confederate anniversary um, from the Civil War. And these ghosts lure these people in, and they're very racist, and they... Uh, kill the people that come through the detour. It's very, very. It takes What's you. That? You Sounds really like kind of people. You really do have to. <laughs> I hope you're kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. But um, no, it, it. It's. I I don't want to talk about it too much. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It is funny. I will say that this is very left leaning. It just really makes fun of the Confederacy more than anything. Um, but it's just this lighthearted, entertaining movie. But I do think for, I watched this just because I'd never had a copy of it up until recently. And then I'm like, man, I don't know about this one, you know, today. And <laughs> so that's kind of why I don't want to talk about it, but it is a funny movie. Again, it's kind of lighthearted. Um, it's worth checking out. The CGI kind of sucked, which kind of took a star off of it for me. Cause I, I really did have a good time with it. There's some just crappy-looking CGI on it. But Robert England is the leader of this uh, crew, which is he puts on it's, a really he, he's fun... He's the guy from... Freddy. He's Freddy, Freddy yeah. He, he puts on a really good performance. It's worth checking out. There's a really cool quartering kill, like where... I don't know if you're familiar with that, where they tie, you know, all four limbs yeah, to horses and pull away. I've never seen that in a horror film, and they do it here. Um, so there's that. I uh, watched Palm Springs. You need to see this one. Um, fantastic film. Amazing. This movie's getting a lot of hype for good reason. It's available on Hulu. Um, it's got Andy Sandberg in the uh, lead role, and it's great. It's a time loop movie, a uh, time loop romance movie, um, and it's a great time. Uh, very lighthearted. Um, has a great story. Um, put me to tears, I'll be honest, and I think it's one of the year's best you movies. Cry a lot. Um, I really do recommend Palm Springs. Check it out. It is really good. Watched BMX Bandits. 
Oh, wow. Um, it's a decent enough film. Some cool color-coded bikes made for a good double feature with Rad, uh, which is next up. The 4K transfer of that is cool. Um, uh, if you want to race me at Hell Track, uh, let's do it. Uh, I'd be I'd be willing to race. Um, let's let's do this thing. Uh, but I think Rad is fun. It's a goofy movie with the cheesiest soundtrack you could possibly imagine. Great time. I do recommend checking out Rad. Um, if you could find a copy, but good luck. Um, I'll just borrow yours. Yeah, you should see it. You should. I uh, watched The Beach House, one of my favorite movies that I watched this week. Um, wonderful, wonderful, kind of Lovecraftian type movie. And I think the reason I love these movies is they give this vibe of like hopelessness in a way, and it makes humanity, humanity oftentimes, you know, if you think about it, like we think it's such a big thing, right, from our perspective. And then Lovecraft is like, nah, man, you're nothing in comparison to the old gods. And that's like what he's all about is like these weird ancient mythological like things that we can't even fathom as humans. Like, And it shows how small we are. And I, I love that type of horror. And same with uh, like Color Out of Space, like how hopeless if nature turns against us it could be, you know. And this movie does a similar thing. It's kind of like the fog or the mist, I guess, would be a better um you know comparison mixed with color out of space so you get this weird vibe but you get this misty appearance outside but it starts off with this group this family goes on a getaway and they're um at a beach house that their parents own but he didn't tell his dad that he was going there so ended up actually being two more people that were already staying there so it creates this slightly awkward but kind of neat you know relationship between them and then they decide to do some edibles, and then things start getting weird um, out there in the water. So, good film. I loved it. Um, and this thing goes some horror directions that I loved. I was like, I'm vibing with that. Then I watched Relic, another really good. Uh, this is a slow burn, as slow burn gets. It's a little too slow for its own good sometimes, called Relic. And it's a really cool movie with some really interesting locations. Uh, I like the house. It, it's got this moldy appearance, and that's kind of a theme throughout the movie. It's like mold overtaking this house and overtaking the mind. And um, there's a lot of symbolism with the movie. Um, so one of those symbol, symbol, symbolic heavy movies. I did like it. I could see where this one's got would divide some, uh, but I did like it. Greyhound, um, talked about it. Gamera. A great start to a trilogy. Um, I really liked this movie. Uh, Gamera's really cool. And uh, so he's a big turtle um, instead of a lizard-type dragon thing that Godzilla is. So, you know, Gamera is separate from the franchise, but, you know, kaiju all the same. So I, you like, really should you really like should see this. turtle would have some distinct disadvantages when it comes to uh, no, fighting. No, Gamera is pretty awesome. He's hoss. Uh, he doesn't have on his hind legs. Absolutely, um, and he does quite often. And he shows them what time it is. Um, this is a good trilogy, though. This is from the '90s. Uh, this is probably the best Gamera series, apparently. And I just saw him on Arrow uh, Channel, so I went ahead and watched them. They're worth checking out uh, for sure. I watched American Rickshaw. <laughs> this one is the craziest movie I think I've ever seen. It takes the award. Um. I loved it. My review pretty much said, somebody pinch me. I need to know if I dreamt that this movie existed or if it really is as strange as it all seemed. And um, I recommend reading my review about it, but basically 
this dude who carts around a rickshaw, um, carted a prostitute back to a house, and was blackmailed with a sex tape, um, which never really got started by a son of a mister, a minister who's played by Donald Pleasance in the movie. All the while, there's this subplot with a just this um, Asian lady who en- enrolls the help of a supernatural cat and a supernatural snake and a light-up boar statue um, with supernatural powers to the rickshaw, rickshaw driver who is some sort of chosen one. And uh, it's very strange. Um, it's got an Olympic gold medalist in the lead. Um, it's something. So there's that. And then on the Criterion channel, of all things, um, I, I watched, uh, of all the great movies I, I could land on, I decided to watch Barbarella on the Criterion channel. <laughs> and uh, finally got to watch that. I warned you. I've seen it uh, before, and I liked it. Um, it's not a great movie. I can't say I love it. But I do think it actually has some cool cool merit. I like its science fiction appearance. I like the sets. I like the costumes. I think it looks neat. Um, it's not quite as sleazy as some people make it out to be, although it's a little much for my taste at times. Like the opening scene is this really weird artsy scene of her just pretty much like floating in anti-gravity and doing like a strip tease sort of thing. Um, but after that, the movie actually has a good science fiction plot, and it's decent enough entertainment, like to throw on, you know, and kind of zone out to. It's all right. I give it a six, but I didn't give it a heart. I watched Gamera Two: Attack of the Legion. Freaking awesome, man! I love this trilogy. Seriously, guys, I I don't want to go on too much about it because kaiju's are an acquired taste. But I think, Dad, you should see that. Robo War is what we're going to land on and talk about. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Robo War is a uh, Bruno Mattei film um, who's directed quite a few interesting films, to say the least, um, including Shocking Dark as well. And uh, this stars apparently a guy named Red Brown and a Robo, apparently. Um, who looks more like he came off the set of Rad than he does a robot. Some and, uh, <laughs> BSM, BDSM show. Yeah, he, it's strange. And this robot... That's pretty much what it sounds like. Um, it sounds like the little robot from Buck Rogers that says proceed every once in a while. Um, that's about what it sounds like. So this thing runs around doing that. and Get uh, For... Yeah. <laughs> For a robot that says proceed all the time, it doesn't proceed at all. Um, in fact, it does very little at times <laughs> and spins its wheels quite a bit and uh, has this weird... It's a Predator ripoff. Let's let's just clear the air with that. It, it's a ripoff, shameless ripoff of Predator um, through and through. It has its own version of the Predator vision that's really just... It looks like as a bat. Yeah, you can't see it all. It's just this pixelated sepia filter, um, and it looks horrible. Um, and you can't make out anything on that filter. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all red. It, it, it's it's uh, something. It sucks. I don't get it. But the movie's very entertaining and funny in the cheesy in the best way, where you could tell that they were trying to make a decent movie and it just didn't work. And it was well intentioned. 
And it, I don't think the Italians. Well, we talked about that a little bit. The Italian ripoff films somehow think they know better. In fact, if you listen to the guy who did Troll Two, he'll tell you he knows what the American audience. Well, well wants funny more enough, than, more than the. Uh, funny enough, yeah. the writer uh, for <laughs> who's the director of Troll Two is Claudio Fagrasso, who is the writer for Robo War. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's a strange film, but it this one pushes all the right buttons. Yeah, at least it's fun. It's it's fun, unlike that other film that I was talking about. This one is is a good time. It's got that right amount of cheesiness. You don't really care that it's ripping off of RoboCop and Predator and Rambo all at the same time. It's got a Chuck Norris looking character in it that could be a pedophile. In fact, just about all of them probably are pedophiles. That's uh, pretty creepy. Uh, you know, it's it's weird just to sit back and see what the Italians really think of us when it comes to cinema, because that's what that is. It's their yeah. view of what American cinema is. <laughs> it's really yeah. funny. It's, uh, yeah. It's your like, No, no, that's not us, you know. <laughs> that's It's the same way with us, though, oftentimes. I mean, we do the same thing. Um, so I, I think the funny. Asian films do a little better job of of trying to mimic the culture, but yeah. they they harken back to a particularly good time, I think, and and it comes off as more sweet. You know, yeah. you know, does that make sense? Yeah, uh, Italian cinema is just plain weird, and some of it. Not it's all even of it. weirder when they try to just rip off other films. And then throw it out there. I love Not that the, it's bad. It's, I love the Italian rip-off movies. I really do. I think uh, they're hilarious. And unlike Ator, at least this one is watchable. Yeah. This one's pretty funny. Uh, it's it's funny bad. I enjoyed yeah. this one. It might be the, uh, as we talked about, this this film may be the highest funnel meter film I've seen in a while. It's it's solid 10 on the funnel meter. It's a blast. You can make fun of this, this thing all day long. This is a perfect drive-in movie, yeah. too. Yeah, this would be good to throw on and it's clean. driving. There's yeah. nothing in it that prevent you from watching it. It's it's just well, I guess that one woman runs around with a with a shirt on, but even when it's wet, you can't see through it. Yeah. I think she may put a bra on her whenever she gets in the water. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's pretty clean. Uh, but beyond that, it's uh, anyway. And and the robot's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I like Robo awesome War. It's a 10 on the funnel meter. The only way that could have been funnier is they just realized how bad that thing could see and had it run into trees all the time. You know, here it is in the jungle where it can't see three foot. And <laughs> it seems to, on the occasion it does decide to go, it it, it, it seems to get around all right. You know, but Well, no, that makes it better, I think. Because there, there's a tread, you have to tread a fine line, and it's very difficult to get intentionally bad movies to be good. We've talked about that before, too. It's oftentimes better to just have a movie where people think they're making a good movie, and it ain't. Works better. It? What was the film that had the the robo-warrior thing going with the track vehicle on him? Uh, oh, the um, uh, Exterminators, yeah, I think. That yeah, one, That one was actually had the that lot one's of the same too. cheese. That one's a good yeah. time, too. I like it. Good time. If you like bad cinema, this is this needs to be one you find. I'd definitely buy this one if I had a chance, and it wasn't expensive. It's a great film. Yeah, I think I paid nine bucks for it on the Severance sale, so I'm pretty happy about yeah, that. That's a good nine bucks. Uh, I watched The Candy Snatchers next, which is a Vinegar Syndrome film. Uh, it's a crime thriller where 
this group of people kidnaps a girl um, for ransom money, pretty much, for uh, her rich father. And this is a dark movie um, with some light elements, too. Um, it's right in the beginning stages of exploitation cinema, so it's not really quite there. Um, it's a little edgy for its time, mostly in just how dark the movie is, because the, the story basically is they kidnap her and put her in a hole um, with barely anything to breathe with um, because they want the money from the father. They don't want to work for, quote-unquote, the man. That's the idea at the time. And the whole theme of it is, you know, money. You know, how far are you willing to go? And a kid witnesses this crime, and he is can't speak. He has a, uh, uh, you know, a mental thing going on where he can't speak, and he has trouble communicating. So basically the story is this kid's trying to tell people about this, and he can't because he can't speak. And, you know, so it's this interesting story of, like, will she be saved um, or will she not be? And uh, it's a good movie. Really great dialogue, great cinematography, really tense movie. I liked it a lot. Then I watched, uh, put in the Criterion Godzilla set that I just got and watched my favorite Godzilla movie, Invasion of the Astro Monster, um, also known as Monster Zero, also known as King Ghidorah, um, of course. Is so this is a screaming chicken? Uh, no, he's not a screaming chicken. He's a three-headed uh, golden dragon. Um, who goes up against Godzilla as well as Rodan. And the story of this one's awesome. Oh, that's right. Rodan's a screaming chicken. No, he's a pterodactyl. And um, basically the story is cool. Um, they go out to space. They end up meeting a group of people called the Zillions, um, which are aliens in this planet. And King Ghidorah is powering up using archaic theme music and causing them to live underground. And so the Zillions want to enroll uh, the help of Godzilla and Rodan, who are minding their own frickin' business and, um, and on Earth, just trying to sleep. And uh, the Zillions and pretty much Earth agrees to give them Godzilla and Rodan for a cure for cancer. Um, so they take Rodan and Godzilla onto this planet. And I don't want to spoil it because there's actually a pretty good story here. It's extremely cheesy, and the budget was very low for this one. So the effects were a little shaky, but there's some great monster action. I like the story a lot here. If you're a science fiction fan, you're going to really dig where this goes. Um, and, you know, it's got pretty much my favorite monsters in it, so it doesn't get much better than, than Invasion of the Astral Monster. Then I watched Force of Nature. Um, this has Mel Gibson in it, as well as Emil Hirsch, who is known to apparently assault somebody. I didn't know that until looking into this, so the cast is a bit problematic. Um, and this is a horrible film. It's insipid. Basically, it's Mel Gibson sitting in a chair, not wanting to leave this apartment building because there's a Category 5 hurricane. Um, going on and then there's a heist going on in this apartment building so the majority of this movie is literally people sitting around talking to each other about things and their characters you just don't care about mel gibson plays his typical freaking really just mean self and it doesn't work here in any sort of charming way he's just like kind of a jerk that you just don't care about and i i hated this movie 
I don't watch it. Well, it saved me from watching. Is it a Netflix original? No, this one I rented. Um, yeah. uh, this one, the next one I watched was called "You Should Have Left," the new Blumhouse horror film. Funny enough, the movie's worst aspect is its horror. I probably would have liked this one had it just played out as a you know supernatural drama or thriller. Um, the story itself is interesting and actually touches on some fascinating things about like actors, you know. Like the actress, it's Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried are the two leads, um, and they're a couple. And the movie plays off of that. And Amanda Seyfried's character is like an actress. And some of the f- most interesting elements are like how Kevin Bacon will come on set, and like she'll be doing like a sex scene, and like how that makes him feel, and stuff like that. You know, so it goes into that, and it's it's a good movie on its drama level. But when it does horror, for whatever reason, it just doesn't work. It's not scary. Um, they don't do enough horror to really make it horror. I'm, I'm curious if Blumhouse didn't pick this up as a drama originally because it's from um, David Kep, who made Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon, which was a good horror film. But I'm wondering if this movie wasn't originally intended to be something else and then they added horror in um, because it's just frankly not very scary, um, which is a problem for a horror film. Then I watched Inseminoid um, uh. from Scream Factory. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh. Uh, this one has this one's interesting. Uh, a lady um, gets uh, taken over by an alien creature on this planet in this alien ripoff kind of movie, and there's a pretty interesting scene with that. It tries to be a little artsy. It's not. Um, it's very trash. Um, I liked it. It was very boring at times, though. It was very boring. At times, because it just didn't have the budget to do anything, so a lot of it was walking around this kind of bland-looking space station. Um, but when Man things were without the car, when things did happen, it was very entertaining. Um, but either way, I watched Gamera three to you know finish out the franchise. Awesome, awesome stuff. I'm serious. Check this out. It's on the um, Apple TV app. Has the Arrow channel. Watch it. Um, the Gamera franchise is on there. And then I watched a movie called Powerbomb, which is a wrestling horror film. It's got Britt Baker and uh, Adam Cole, um, who you'll recognize if you're wrestling fans. Entertaining movie, uh, not perfect, and uh, it's very low budget, but it's kind of that sort of like this fan gets a little too obsessed with, you know, this wrestler. So he kidnaps him and... Uh, you know, ties him up in his basement. So the majority of the movie is kind of dealing with that. So pretty interesting stuff, but I think wrestling fans will get a kick out of it. And then uh, I finished off the week uh, by watching Fatal Affair on Netflix, the uh, number one movie in America right now. Did you get tricked? No, I I had a feeling this was going to suck. I was playing the game um, Ghost of Tsushima, um, and... So I decided to plop this in, and oh my lands, that's it's heinous. It is every worst aspect about Hallmark and Lifetime movies, and I think the director is known for doing Hallmark movies. It's just bad. It's so derivative. It has some production values at least, but you just get the idea that they're polishing a turd with this one. Um, it's pretty insipid. Um, I'll have to review it some other time, but it's probably a three, two or three. Just real bad film, um, so I don't recommend it. And uh, playing a bit of Ghost of Tsushima, and uh, great game so far. I'm really loving it. 
and I do recommend it. Highly, highly recommend the game. It's very fun. Um, takes place in um, the island of Tsushima, and um, it's the story of the Mongolians uh, raiding the island of Tsushima. And uh, it's a cool story about tradition. I think you'd be interested in a like a movie version of it um, because it's very much on that honor and tradition of the samurai. But the Mongolians aren't that way. They show up and they don't have the same honor code. And basically, there's a really great villain in it who's like, while you were sitting there toying with your honor, I learned about you. I learned your weaknesses because of your your code of honor. And we don't care about that. So, you know, when they challenge him to a duel, like a sword fight, you expect him to do a sword fight. No, he throws alcohol on it. The alcohol he was drinking on him and lights him on fire. No honor. Because he does, they don't care. Um, so they're coming here to get their resources. And then it turns into this samurai who you're playing as is very reluctant because he's battling between he needs to save his homeland. That's his goal. But he has a code that he must keep. But the, he's by himself. So he has to break that code, you know, by using stealth and stuff like that, which isn't part of the samurai code. They're very head-on type warriors. But because he has to battle with that to go up against the Mongolians. Uh, very fascinating on the tradition of, of that beautiful game. And um, I'm loving it so far. I think it's amazing. Um, so I do recommend Ghost of Tsushima uh, quite a bit. All right. So I guess we're going to talk about our feature film here. Is it now? time for Greyhound? It is. I'll let you go ahead and introduce this one as I, I know you loved this one. <laughs> yeah, it's a solid two. Uh, the uh, so Greyhound is uh, one of those uh, films that wound up in the in the COVID hell that uh, should have been released, but uh, just wound up not being able to get released. But it's not a big enough release to warrant burying it. And I'm yeah. glad they didn't actually. So it's showing up on uh, Apple TV right now. So if you're fortunate enough to have Apple TV, this is a good one. But either way, so it is this year's release. It's a uh, film star in Tom Hanks. And um, it's uh, early in World War II. It actually could have been uh, before the U.S. was officially in the war. Uh, you know, large convoys of ships would carry supplies and men across the Atlantic from the United States to England. Um, and the U-boats would be waiting in the Atlantic. Uh, so our planes would only get so far, and the British planes could only come out so far. So there was... A, Days span, I know three, I think it was five days span when they uh, had no air cover. And during that time, because you know submarines or U-boats of the day had to surface to be able to fire, yeah. So they were they could be easily seen from the air, but tough to see from uh, down on the water surface. So they would wait for them in packs and and blow these ships out of the water. So uh, this is a story about a young captain, a Captain Krause, played by Tom Hanks, uh, who is an experienced captain but was tasked with uh, captaining his first command. And uh, it was basically he was in charge of the flotilla, I guess you would call this, of many ships. Some were uh, destroyers, some were military craft, but the vast majority of them were uh, cargo, transport ships. Yeah. So that were largely unprotected. So, anyway, that's where we see it. Uh, this uh, movie has a uh, 
it's got a pretty good cast to it. One of its faults, in my opinion, is the fact that it focuses solely on Tom Hanks, though. Yeah, that's. that's uh, what I, was I mean, it's it's not a bad thing. Hanks is great. No, he really does carry the yeah, movie. But it's, but it's about him, and I would think that that's to, to me what kept this movie from being even better uh, was the fact that you only saw him. You didn't see how this affected other people. Yeah. His wife, which was, or well, I guess, well, frankly, it didn't even say whether he returned home and married her, I don't think. But in the opening scene of the film, we see her uh, briefly, and that's the only time we see her, uh, played by Elizabeth Shue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, next time you see him, he's on ship and they're in the water. Uh, this film is an X's and O's, as I say, kind of film. Uh, it's not a war drama as much as a, a, I think, a visual on how they fought this, they went around this battle, which can make for some, if you're looking at this as an action film, I think you could be, uh, you could be, uh, it's going to lower your score. It, it's got plenty of action scenes. Yeah. But this film is a, really shows how they tried to avoid the submarines, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of that uh, went into this film. So uh, it's it's good at it, and if you're interested in, in uh, war pictures of that kind, um, I think you're in for a treat, because this is probably the best one of that I've seen in a long time. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Uh, most of them have gone like, like uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan, which is probably the greatest war film ever made, in my opinion at least. But it's heavy on the drama. You learn these characters. You you really follow these characters. It's I'm sure accurate as well to you know and within mm-hmm. its frame. But it's not the same. Heck, you could show this thing as a training film on how to make your maneuvers in the sea. <laughs> I think you know to avoid you know as they zigzag back and forth. And this is a large part of the story. So you know, but it is. And interestingly, the writer of this movie or one of them was Tom Hanks himself. So he did write for this character. That's true. And um, and he is a real character. It's based on a real guy. Yeah, and, and the movie, I will say, is very religious to the point of pretty much being a faith and family film by the end of this thing. Um, the majority of the movie has a lot of religious things, which I think benefited the movie in a way. You know, if that's how the character, you know, was, then I think it's if that was his central... You know, focus, and then you need to display that in the movie. I'm not dissing that, but it is pretty, pretty funny. I wasn't expecting that. Like uh, at the beginning, I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, like they're hinting at it, and then you're like, they're not even hinting at it. This is the whole movie being pretty religious with just about everything he says. Because it focuses on Hank so much that that's you see that part of his character. I could see this is the type of movie that I think Pastor Marty would freak out about. Yeah, right? yeah, this definitely got him wrote all yeah. over. It's fairly clean. It's not even that that gory or bloody. No, in there's the really scene. none that I can think of. Um, but yeah, it it shows his he wears his faith and his ship, his crew, by extension, does the same. Yeah, you know, there are half a dozen. Well, I don't know about it. every time they have a meal. He's he prays and the, the whatever's happening on the ship stops until yeah. he's done. Uh, not anything other than respect for the captain. Honestly, it looked more like fear at times of retribution, which 
you probably, especially in those days, you know, you couldn't, any, any kind of mutinous behavior is grounds for execution on the spot. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, you know, but he also prays. There's, this, you know, some services there. You're, you're right. It's very much uh, he wears his faith on his sleeve. Yeah. I, I would say that in, in some ways, oddly, though, uh, a film uh, that we were soldiers did the same thing for him, uh, for the Mel Gibson war film where it showed him praying a lot and, and even his family. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was all in that film. But then the next next thing you know, he's actually praying to God and uh, now help us blow these little bastards to bits and off he goes. Yeah. I guess that was him. You yeah. know what I mean? That was, you know. Well, it didn't seem as wholesome. This one this one had a yeah. bit more of a wholesome idea to it. It, it. did I, have that. It, so there was a and, and the And the character himself is very fascinating. Um, it it kind of goes into how dedicated this guy was to the task. And, and for the most part, this movie is like one sort of sequence of events. So you kind of follow it throughout. And it's pretty fascinating with that. And it show i mean he pretty much was there the entire time doing things like he got on the boat and didn't get a break at all and he could have taken one but he didn't want to and the the movie actually gets into that where like how much he was standing and stuff like that you know yeah and so so i thought that was pretty fascinating i I do think that they well that is the implication actually apparently this mission they were it was a i'm pretty sure it was five days yeah it took from well, no, I'm not saying it was cover to it was one. I'm not saying it was one day. I'm saying yeah, that it was but, one series of events. But he couldn't have been on the bridge the whole time. Yeah. But that's the way the film yeah. has it. And he was up there. I'm sure 16 hours a day. Yeah. He probably only took four hour cat naps and was back at yeah. it. Uh, I imagine that's the way it is, especially whenever you're crossing the Atlantic, in a situation where at any given time these U-boats hounded yeah. them in, in wolf packs. I thought something else, speaking of the wolf pack, that it did really well was it brought the, the German psychological I was about to warfare. say that that scene is probably the best scene in the movie yeah. where, like, you just hear over the speaker, like, yeah. this really ominous message towards them. And that was really almost a horror scene where you're yeah. like, dang, that's pretty, that's pretty spooky. Um, you know, I liked that. I liked the movie. I had a good time with it. I'm not a war movie fan for a variety of reasons. The main one is... I talked about it in my review. Uh, sensitivity to real-world violence. As much horror movies as I watch, I still don't really care for um, true re- depictions of violence. But this movie wasn't gory, like you said, so it, it was fine for me to watch. I was just a bit tough. I, I, I'm willing to you know, watch them, but it's just a bit tougher for me. Yeah. Um, but I did enjoy Greyhound a lot. I think I gave it a 7. You did. Uh, I, I like remember your rating. Uh, honestly, I was into it for an 8. Uh, but it got an extra star rating for being um, my kind of film. Yeah. Uh, so I think it you can expect to to be in that most people in that seven to eight range. If faith and family films is your thing, you're probably really going to like it. Yeah. I, I will c- say the two things hold this one back. One is is the X's and O's. You know, Saving Private Ryan. You, you man, you just bawled at times in that movie because you were so invested in your characters. Or we were soldiers. This film lacks. I don't that. like We Were Soldiers much it's at all. A, well, uh, my I only point is, that is that they were a character. You know, yeah. you got to know your characters a little bit more. This film, you got to know Tom Hanks, and that's really about it. Well, that's okay. Um, I mean, I don't think that's a problem. I, I, 
I would. I don't think it's a problem that it focused on him. In fact, I think that's one of the strongest elements. I think we have way too many undistinguishable war movies, honestly, that are all the same story. This one did something unique and different. A, a very unique story. Uh, and um, you know, you know what I mean, though, because yeah, like, no, I hear like, you. there's so many of these, you know, war movies where you get this band of characters that has this bond. You know, yeah. someone dies at some point, and then they got to fight Fury for the friend. And it's like, this is just indistinguishable from the other 60, you know, horror movie or war movies, you know, that are out there. And uh, so for me, I I dug its unique attempt. I would have, that was one of my knocks was, it would have been nice to have some character development at all. The movie didn't even bother. They're literally, the, the characters in the movie other than Tom Hanks, are literally a plot device. There's no personality to him. He can't run the ship himself. Yeah. So there's one guy that plays a fairly significant role. Then there's another guy that is in it a lot, and you get to know why. I don't want to give that piece of the film away, but because they chose not to really explore the characters... Uh, you didn't, didn't care about You them. didn't care like you should have. And I'm not saying they should. I'm kind of glad they didn't really delve in again because of the story and the pacing of the movie because it's actually well-paced. It's yeah. very quick. You would think the movie would be pretty slow considering how X's and O's it is. But no, I was actually uh, riveted to the film, waiting to see what happened next. Exactly. Um, but they could have, I think I think you could have had some, you know, storytelling. Just one guy. Just one guy yeah, somebody. some sort of storytelling <laughs> in passing even yeah. that would have given something of a yeah. character to these people. And there's just really not. I, I will say the other thing that kind of holds it back from being a great film for me as I found some of the CGI uh, a little bit hokey. Not all of it by any stretch. It looks pretty good. It looks great, film. I think. Uh, but there are some instances whenever it's not the greatest. But, you know, so much of this is... Uh, uh, it's obviously, uh, the, the movie relies almost exclusively on CGI at times. Now, all the scenes showing water, they're not actually in the water. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the, all the U-boats, all the other ships, everything is CGI. I will say that it's pretty cool that they use the USS Kidd, a yeah. era destroyer from that time, uh, as the backdrop. Uh, and that was finally the last thing I want to talk about it. Uh, kudos to, uh, m- more often than not, like on YouTube, or not YouTube, uh, like Netflix, you don't get the extras. Yeah. Apple TV threw in the extras. So you yeah. can look at it. And those are, were really good, I thought, to look at it, because what they did was they brought in the USS Kid, a ship that was of the same vintage and type. So the crew trained on it. A lot of the cabin footage, the, the working when they wasn't showing the water, that's yeah. actually on that ship. It's a memorial. It's a war memorial mm-hmm. uh, that did suffer damage in World War II and had casualties. They talked about that in the footage a little bit, where... Um, well, I don't want. I'll just leave that. Out. Just watch that piece, and I think you, neither one of them are extremely long, so they're worth watching. Uh, the other thing is, it talked about the gimbal. They had the, like the cabin was uh, uh, of the ship where they spent most of their time in. Uh, I can't think of what they'd call that, but they're actually um, in this thing. So it's on this gimbal that can raise and lower and tilt and uh, do all the things that you would expect a ship to be able to do that's actually in storm waters. So I think it give it a very realistic uh, appeal, especially when the ship was making its turns and uh, making maneuvers, which is a lot of this film as they're moving through the ocean. 
trying to get that done. So all in all, from a technical aspect, this is a really strong film that uh, that shows uh, exactly what you know all all the it shows what they're wanting to do. I think I agree with you, Dave. That it's um, you know it, in some ways it may hurt the film a little bit that it focuses on just the one guy, but as a film as a unique war picture that shows a lot of uh, the uh, X's and O's of of how they did their job. I think it's pretty fascinating. So all in all, I'm pretty pretty happy with this film. Hanks is great. Uh, he's his usual stoic self in this film. Uh, basically, it's uh, you know it it sticks with him. I just wish they would have maybe shown him to be a little more uh, human. Then uh, uh, it might it might have helped the overall tone of the film. I think, um, but I, I, I don't know. Um, anyway. Um, I gave the film a 9 uh, overall on the score, which is uh, pretty strong film ratings. Like I said, I think that I can see people possibly going with, a, with an 8 or uh, even a 7. But uh, for me, I, I thought that the faith and family part of it, as well as Hank's acting and it's, uh, the technical merits of the film were extremely high. So I went with a 9, probably going to be... Uh, near the top of my favorite films for the year. Going to be hard to beat out. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. And it's cool to see Hanks in the movie. Um, this was made, I guess, before the uh, outbreak happened. But Tom Hanks did actually get uh, coronavirus um, near the beginning of it. So Correct. I'm glad he's doing okay. Him and, him and his wife. Um, you know, he's a, he's a really good dude. Um, and that shows. And I think he's one of the remaining like really relevant of the old school type Hollywood type appearance and yeah. uh, and he, he's a really good dude I like I like him a lot I would guess that Hanks will, will go down as probably our generation's greatest actor maybe that's a good possibility uh, you know for mine and, and yours we still got a long time to get to yours but I can't think of anybody that, that who's got as many real great films, and if, it seems like he's doing the same film now. Maybe you know different writing, but he's the same character in a lot of films. But uh, when you look back at his career, it's not always it's not that way. He can he can do comedy roles. He can do uh, he did Walt Disney and Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah, uh, he's you know did Mr. Rogers and did a great job with that. I mean the guy. He's been a ton of stuff. Has earned his right to uh, pick and choose his roles, and he's—I think he's picking and choosing good people to show, uh, to to highlight their lives. Is what I think he's he's going about doing. Seems to me what he's doing, at least. So, so. It, if you are curious, Apple TV is available on a lot of different platforms. Um, I personally have it because I have an Apple TV, and when I bought my iPhone. Um, I got a year free, so if you buy any Apple device, I think you get a year free of Apple TV Plus. And the service, other than that, is like five bucks a month. So I mean, if anything else, it's worth it for a five dollar rental when stuff's like a twenty dollar rental. Yeah. So it's worth subscribing at least for a month for Apple TV. Shout out to for Tyler Hartwig from Church, uh, one of school teachers down there. You knew him, but that's what he was saying. He said, "Yeah, I've got an Apple device. I got a year free of." of Apple TV so I'll be able to check that out so mm-hmm. I'm going to find out what he's what he thought of it and maybe next Sunday so yeah it's a good movie and um, I do recommend checking it out 
you know, again, Apple TV can be found on quite a few different devices, which is cool because originally um, Apple TV was only available on, you know, Apple devices. But I think it's on Roku and <coughs> Samsung TVs and stuff like that now, too. Nice. And you could also link the Arrow Video channel to it, which is a great benefit. That's an additional $5, but that is totally worth it. And there's a lot of great films on the Arrow Video mm-hmm. channel, like the Gamera franchise. Uh, that I was talking about. They have the complete Gamera collection on there, including the original films. Um, check it out. It's pretty sweet. Are, are you proud of me for pre-ordering Pumpkinhead and not waiting until it's sold out? I am. Uh, I'm I'm very proud of you. $40? I got my lithograph yeah. coming. That's going to be sweet. I guarantee that, that their lithographs are awesome. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty excited to get it. Uh, I'm going to get that one too um, before it sells out um, because it is a new 4K scan of the movie as well. Um, so even if you have the Screen Factory Blu-ray already, um, it's going to be a better scan of the I movie. Do. So, so uh, yeah, I just... It is an improved version of the movie with the steel book. I have to have it. Um, I, I knew you'd want that. I The first thing I bought, though, I don't think I've ever bought something that expensive so quick to pre-order it um as the friday the 13th collection i got a text message in my first break i had like 15 minutes to go to pre-order that friday the 13th set didn't even phase me that i paid 170 dollars for that freaking thing i went i bought that thing like i hit that button so quick but uh no i i bought that first so but uh no, I, I will be getting the pumpkin head though. I'm sure. Uh, I've just gotta, I've just gotta wait a little while uh, to get it. Uh, I'll I just wait. You can always borrow mine. No, I I want it. I mean, obviously. Well, uh, oh, you're gonna do it too. Doesn't matter. I, I want it. I guess I'll give it to Mike. Yeah, he'd probably take it. He'd probably be interested. So, uh, yeah, good times. We're no. gonna have stickers. You guys are gonna have to put stickers on movies. <laughs> Tell me what you want, so I don't have to. Sell, then I can only sell what you don't want. I already have the movie from your collection that I want. I'm just not well, telling you what you it just, is. Yeah, you told me, and then, you know, yeah, it's not, I, I don't seem to be able to get it back. I can't remember uh, what it was. Good. That's the, that's the idea. I'm not telling you what it is. Dang it. I'm going to have to go through my entire letterbox thing and figure out which one's missing. Dang thieves. <laughs> good times. Uh, our, our, our new pastor in town was telling me today that uh, he went into town and, and, uh, Somebody stole the ball hitch off the back of his truck. I see how you can't leave a ball hitch on the back of your truck down here. That's 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 you stealing my movies. And, you know, dang thieves! <laughs> that's funny. Stealing from a pastor, man. That's pretty. There, yeah, there's that's, a there's a whole circle of hell for that. That's one, pretty low, I have yeah. to say. But I told him, I said, yeah, down here, them things are, you know. Uh, so why, why I, you know, everybody locks them, and if you yeah. don't have a lock on them, they won't last long. Don't throw them in the back of your truck either. Gosh dang! It's like it's, you could throw work boots back there. I bet nobody steal them, but they'll steal a ball hitch. I don't know why. Must be the exact amount of a crack pipe hit or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh! I have no idea. That's hilarious. Oh well. What well, are you doing this weekend for your horror podcast? Do you know? No, I don't know. Well, you're gonna have to put out a list. Yeah, get to cracking. I guess. <laughs> All yeah, right. we're we're working on it, but we'll get to that. Yeah, here we're soon. in chaos. Uh, different days. We're actually recording on a Sunday, which is the reason why Mike can't be here. 
So we're having we're going to have to scramble and find something some some way to do this. Yep. Well, until do you have anything else you want to add before we close this one out? No, let's go ahead and close it out. Just keep them real spinning. All right. We want to thank y'all for listening. Y'all have a good one. And that concludes our show. We hope you've really enjoyed it. If you did, don't forget to leave us a review. Find us on Facebook. But one of the most powerful ways that we can expand our audience and the show is for you to tell your friends about us. You know, if they love movies and you love movies, hopefully they love our podcast too. So we would love to hear uh, you spreading the word of our show to all of your friends. And uh, tell them about our community. If they have any questions about movies, we could save them some money on some of the bad ones and tell them what uh, maybe they should watch. Uh, But either way, until next time, we hope to see you all again.